Welcome to Growing Green at Kenai, folks. I'm glad to be back on this wonderful, wonderful Saturday morning on the Kenai Peninsula. I don't know about you, but it's gotten cold again, at least as far as I'm concerned. And you know what? I've, it may be cold out there, but I'm, I'm wearing shorts today. I tend to do that uh, because it seems like everywhere you go in, it's just hotter than blazes. And it's gotten cold again, folks, seven degrees. Boy, I'll tell you what, uh, our daylight's coming back a little bit, and that gets us even fired up to start thinking about gardening again. It's, uh, it'll be here before we know it. So I'll give you a quick forecast. Uh, tonight's forecast is dark, uh, continued darkness till morning. So that's, uh, that'll be the forecast, and you can listen to the regular weather on that if you, if you want to. <laughs> Sorry, to had to mess with everybody just a little bit on that one. Uh, that's an old George Carlin joke. Tonight's forecast, dark, continued darkness till morning. Well, I'll tell you what, we've got, uh, we're going to talk about seeds today, but I'll tell you, if anybody has a question or just a comment to talk about garden, you can give me a call at 907-283-8414, or you can shoot me an email at growingagreenerkenai at kdll.org. I'd love to hear from you. If I can't answer your question, I can tell you that we have got plenty of people out there who can answer your question. And uh, I'll, if I don't know, I will get the answer for you. So I do have one very important announcement to make starting out this morning, and I will, in fact, uh, do this again uh, before the end of the show. But the Central Peninsula Garden Club, which I hope uh, a lot of you folks are a member of, we are changing the days and the time of our monthly meetings. We've gotten a lot of comment from folks as uh, some of the demographics, the folks that tend to be members of the club, we're all starting to get a little bit older, and a lot of us don't like driving at night anymore. So what we've decided to do is meetings now will be held on Saturday afternoons at 1 p.m., at still at College Heights Baptist Church, but our first Saturday afternoon meeting will be a week from today, January 14th at 1 o'clock at College Heights Baptist Church. And then the next meeting will be February 11th at 1 o'clock at College Heights. Those are both Saturdays. And then what, we're, what we want to do is we want to ask everyone else's opinion over whether we'd like to stick with that Saturday afternoon time slot for our programs year-round or just during the darkest months of winter. So we've had a lot of positive feedback on the, that time change, and uh, we hope it works out for everybody. Uh, even though it is a Saturday, uh, you know, there's not a lot going on in the wintertime, and, and this uh, makes folks feel a lot safer in their driving. So a week from today, January 14th, 1 p.m. at College Heights Baptist Church. Put that on your calendar, make a change, and we'll be sending out reminders to everyone uh, about that time change. And I hope, uh, hope it works out for everyone who might want to make our programs. And uh, this Saturday, a week from today, uh, our speaker will be a gentleman named Patrick Ryan. He is from the Alaska Botanical Garden. He's coming down from Anchorage, and he's going to be talking to us about trees. He's a master gardener, and he's the education specialist 
for the Alaska Botanical Garden. So he'll be talking to us about trees and why trees are good for us and uh, what we need to do to protect them and even plant more trees uh, in our area uh, that are not invasive, uh, but what uh, what we can do to to improve uh, the the tree the trees uh, that we do plant around. So, but he'll be here uh, a week from today. Uh, so I hope everybody can make that make that program. Okay, well, I'm I'm sure a lot of you are doing the same thing I'm doing right now. Uh, you sit well. I'm not doing it this minute, but <laughs> you're sitting in your recliner at home, reading your seed catalogs that you've ordered. Uh, some of them are still coming in. I've gotten some already, and I'll tell you what, it is so much fun to sit there and just look through these things. You know, and they're they're the darn near the same every year, but a lot of companies have new products. Uh, they uh, uh, they they change up. Uh, one of the best seed catalogs you can get is the one you have to pay for, and that's from Baker Creek Seeds. Uh, they're in Marshfield, Missouri, and uh, it's a it's a ten dollar seed catalog, but it's it's super thick, and it's really pretty. And I didn't buy one this year. I bought one last year, and I'll probably buy one just every two or three years. Uh, but it's just a it's just a gorgeous cat. And they also have a free catalog if you wanna if you wanna get that. But they're their premier catalog is usually about $10 early order, and they'll. Uh, so I know some of our members have gotten theirs already. So we're talking about seeds, and, you know, it's, it's tough for some folks, and folks with a lot of experience, but beginning gardeners, sometimes you can look at the back of a seed packet, and it is, it's mysterious information to some folks. And what's really funny is, a lot of folks, they don't, they just plant the seed and they think everything will be all right, but they don't look at what they're planting. They don't look at the process of planting. They don't look at some seeds uh, don't require to be covered with soil. Some seeds need to be on top of the soil, be hit with, with sunlight, with light uh, to germinate. So you've got to read that seed packet and really understand and follow the directions. If the seed packet says to plant your seed one-eighth of an inch below the top of the soil, plant it one-eighth of an inch. You can plant it an inch deep if you want, but it's a, a potential not to germinate and difficult for it to grow up potentially through that inch of soil. And uh, it just takes longer for that seedling to pop out if it pops out at all. So I want to go through a few things when we're talking about seeds. And that's the different types of seeds from the standpoint of organic, non-GMO, and we all know GMO is genetically modified seeds, heirloom seeds, hybrid seeds, and open pollinated seeds. And all gardeners should know that open pollinated seed means the flowers are pollinated by bees, moths, the wind, birds sometimes, uh, and some open pollinated seeds are, in fact, self-pollinating too. They're not hybrids. Hybrids, and some folks consider uh, open pollinated seeds to be superior to hybrid seeds in in flavor. And, you know, I haven't really ever paid much attention to that. And hybrid seeds come from a controlled crossbreeding of plants that create a new variety. Uh, they can be bred to resist disease larger yield, other characteristics, and 
hybrid seeds are not considered genetically modified. And for the most part, with hybrid seeds, you're unable to save the seeds from them because they're not considered stable. You know, you have a, a two parent plants, basically a male and a female plant that have been crossed to produce whatever characteristic you want one out of that after after many years potentially usually of experimentation to get the characteristics you want well if you plant the seeds from them there's no guarantee you're going to get the same plant the plant that comes out of the seed from a hybrid it's likely to exhibit the characteristics of one of the if one of the uh, uh, parent plants so you're not you're going to get inconsistent uh, production out of something like that if any production at all and then we all should know what heirloom seeds are they're the variety that has come down from multiple generations uh, they're open pollinated uh, heirloom seeds can be grown organically or non-organically and and we all know when you're talking heirloom seeds now I've I've seen uh, read a couple articles and watched a couple of videos of some of the places that do their heirloom seeds and what they'll do a lot of times is they will have these acres of fields of particular plants, of heirloom plants, and they will actually take not a tarp but a type of netting that they will stretch out over this acre of plants, several acres of plants, and they're doing that to actually prevent uh, pollinators from going from a different type of plant into that heirloom plant and all of a sudden starting a crossbreeding variety, which they don't want. They want to segregate those, and uh, sometimes they, they actually have to pollinate by hand, but they want to maintain the characteristics of that heirloom seeds. And then we're going to talk about non-GMO seeds. Uh, it's possible for them to be, for it's possible for a seed to be non-GMO, but not an organic seed. And we all know the the genetic, the, excuse me, the genetically modified seeds. Uh, uh, they don't necessarily have to be grown organically. And then you have organic seeds. They're grown in a way that uh, that has to be compliant with certain USDA rules. Uh, they are non-GMO as uh, per USDA standards. And this means they were grown without harmful chemicals, along with other standards of growing that the USDA has set. So, and I know this, uh, what I'm going to say now, it might upset a few folks, but me personally, I don't care if my seeds are GMO seeds. I'm, I, I don't care about the genetically modified seeds. And I know that really gets a lot of folks fired up, but I just, uh, I just haven't ever really cared about it. And science, uh, science can be our, our friend in certain instances and, I'm just not afraid of them, but that's me. If if you don't like the thought of GMO seeds, by all means, don't plant GMO seeds if that's what makes you feel better. So one of the most important things to look at on the back of that seed packet also is when to plant your seeds. Uh, when picking your seed packet, you'll see information about when the right time is to plant those seeds. And there are a number of ways this info can be explained, and we'll talk about some of that here in a little bit, but this will include the season, frost dates, maps, the zone you're in, all that. And then we'll talk about making sure that you're growing the right seeds for where you live. In our area, we're considered zone four, 
certain areas are zone 4 4a 4b and from uh, from talking to some of our more experienced gardeners around here they feel like depending on the year where they live some areas can even get down to zone 3 depending on the year so uh, you need to look at that and and see that now that doesn't necessarily mean that a zone 5 plant won't grow in zone 3 but what it does is it potentially limits the length of your growing time when it comes to last frost and first frost so it it just means that your your days of growing season have in fact gone down and that can have an impact on what variety of plant you get and their uh, rate uh, when they mature. So uh, we'll talk about warm season crops are obviously more sensitive to cold weather and they, they won't survive a freezing temperature. That means if, if the temps are going below 40 degrees Fahrenheit, uh, you need to keep them covered with a frost blanket or something that protects them and Keep them because uh, the frost will potentially and most likely kill them if you don't protect them. Now, the cool season vegetables, they thrive in cooler temperatures and taste better when the temperatures are low. And if you try to grow these vegetables when it's warm, uh, they still might grow, but there's a better chance that they might bolt. And we all know what bolting means. It means they go, uh, instead of producing, they almost go immediately to seed, try to go to seed. And... You can, you can kind of break them out further to show if they can handle light freezes or hard freezes. And there's different plants, you know, like, like leeks and, and uh, Brussels sprouts, they'll handle a really hard freeze, a very hard freeze. So most seed packets, they'll also, they'll list if the seeds are considered cool season or warm season. And some, some seed packets, uh, all they'll say is when to plant. And there's... And, and I've, I, I don't know if any of you folks have, but I've ordered some seeds from a few places where when you get the seed on the back, on the back of the packet, it's blank. And I'm sitting and I'm looking, holy smokes, unless you're an experienced gardener, people aren't going to know, people aren't going to know when or how to plant those seeds, the growing time. So then you got to go in, you got to do a little research uh, go on the internet, you know, the, the internet's just a, it's just a treasure trove of information. You can find whatever you want on the internet. But for our area, when you're talking about warm season vegetables, uh, I'm going to read some of these off to you. Uh, we're talking beans, corn, cucumbers, uh, mellet peppers, uh, summer squash, pumpkins, uh, tomatoes, watermelons, and those are a little bit tougher to grow up here unless you've got a good greenhouse, a high tunnel, uh, or you're keeping a uh, row cover on them, doing something to help hold some of that heat in. Uh, and when we're talking corn, for instance, for two years now, I have tried to grow corn outdoors, and I have had no luck with it. No luck whatsoever. I just put them out, let them go. They haven't done anything. They got little ears on them that were like, an inch and a half long. The corn in my greenhouse, it got to be seven feet tall. And, you know, so that tells you right there that corn needs warmer temperatures. 
the ground needs to be kept warm the plant needs to be kept warm now some of the cool season vegetables that we grow up here that we all know about is um, oh my goodness beets broccoli brussels sprouts cabbage carrots cauliflower celery uh, swiss chard uh, a lot of those uh, radishes taters uh, peas turnips you know we've got a lot of good cool weather plants and and that kind of reminds me too uh, real quick the uh, uh, when we're talking about seeds you know what a lot of people don't realize is that almost everything we grow came from another part of the world some of the only native american vegetables that we grow is corn beans and squash you know, uh, carrots came from Afghanistan. Radishes came from China. Uh, many of our cabbage, many of our other vegetables, they came from the Mediterranean area. So we actually don't have that many plants that are native to North America. Now, when you start talking the Americas, when you're talking about South America too, you know, uh, a few other, I'm going to, I've, I've got a list here. I'm going to read a few other things that are native to the Americans uh, and not necessarily a lot of them are native to North America, like, like chili peppers. Chili peppers were in Mexico and the Caribbean, but uh, they were native here. So we got uh, avocados were native to the, to the Americas, North and South America, cacao, which is chocolate, chili peppers, cranberries, papayas were actually first native uh, to the Americas, Central America, South America, peanuts, pineapple, potatoes. Now, potatoes, as you've heard me say before, potatoes actually originated in the Andes, but that's considered the Americas, even though it's South America. Pumpkins, sunflowers, tomatillo, and tomatoes. And I'm sure some of you folks, if you've if you have read some of the history about tomatoes, there was a, a lot of people were convinced way back that tomatoes were poisonous. Uh, but but they weren't, uh, and it was just kind of a, a myth that got around, which kept a lot of people from eating tomatoes. So anyway, though, corn, beans, and squash were pretty much native. You know, and there's a few other things, like persimmons were, were uh, uh, native to North America. Uh, persimmons, uh, uh, like fiddlehead fern, native to us. Uh, pawpaws. Uh, my grandpa used to go out and get pawpaws in... Illinois, Southern Illinois, when I was a kid, and they taste pretty good. I always thought they tasted pretty good. So yeah, if you think about it, so many of the things we grow, they didn't come from North America. They've come from around the world, and we have just adapted them to growing in the United States and North America. And one of the things I read here not long ago, which was really very interesting, is back in the in the early days. Most people, you know, for the people uh, living in 1850, 1860, uh, early 1900s, farmers and people growing plants, they tried to save a lot of their own seeds and to grow the next year. Well, in like, I think the program ended in 1920, but most farmers used to get their seeds directly from the government. The government sent seeds out to all the farmers. And like I said, that, I can't remember, that program either ended in 1920 or 1924, and then some of the seed companies started getting into business. Now, now there were seed companies back then, like W. Atlee Burpee, Mr. Burpee, I think he started his farm to produce seeds in like 1888. But he was getting those seeds to the government to pass out to the farmers.
Okay, so now we'll get back talking about a seed packet. When when one thing that should be on the seed packet is when to sow and the frost dates. So that's a that's a big area that gardeners, beginning gardeners, experienced gardeners need to know. Some seeds, seed plants recommended that you wait till the last frost to even plant that seed in the ground if you're doing in the ground planting. Others say plant them two to four weeks before the last frost because it takes them a considerable amount of time to germinate. For for example, uh, this one uh, I'm, I'm looking at the back of a of a uh, beet packet right now, and this packet recommends that two to four weeks before the average last frost d- uh, that you can you can plant these. You know, so that's one of the things. It takes a little while for a beet seed to germinate, and there typically is plenty of time to make that happen before the frost date. You wait till the last frost date to plant those. Unless you've started them indoors and transplanted, you're going to be pushing the timeline for getting those things mature. Now, there should typically be plenty of time. For instance, if you're if you're planting for us on June 1st, which is pretty much our last quote, uh, usual last frost date, that's the, the time most people use in our area here on the Central Peninsula, most beets, this packet I'm looking at right now, it's got a 65-day uh, maturation rate where you'll, you'll start pulling beets. Okay, so if you wait till June the 1st, and if it takes those things four weeks to come up, then now you're looking at July, August, into September before those beets are ready to go. Uh, you're, they'll probably be okay, but you could potentially be pushing it a little bit. So I know we have some gardeners here that they start everything early indoors. Uh, beets, peas, a lot of things. I, I've even pre-sprouted and started carrots before, which can be a little bit more tedious to do. But I've done it and I've made it work. You know, but usually you just plant those right in the ground. So that's what I mean. You you look at the first and last frost state, and then there's always the averages. You know, we're all aware living up here that, oh my gosh, our, we had a frost on June the 7th. And then we've had a frost on September 14th. Do you remember, I think, was it last year, a year before, folks? We actually had a frost day in July uh, in this area. Which was really crazy. We had a frost at 32 degrees, and this was last summer, I remember now. And then the very next day, it was 70 degrees. Weird. Very, very weird, as far as I'm concerned. Maybe you too. So anyway, when you're looking at average frost dates by hardiness zone, for us at zone 4, our average first frost date is October 1st, and our average last frost date is June the 1st. I tend to get, I tend to push it a little bit. I'll put some of my transplants out uh, pretty much uh, two to three weeks before June 1, middle of May, May the 10th or something like that. But what I do if I've got a start out there, I will in fact use old milk jugs with the bottom cut out, put over the top of them so where they're in like little mini greenhouses. 
So then we'll talk about how to plant with your seed packet. Like I told you before, the seed packet will explain how to plant your seeds by listing basic information. Uh, it's, it's brief, but it's, but it's basic, uh, like starting your seeds indoors, the light requirements, the planting depth, days to germination, how many to plant, how to thin them, the spacing requirements. And that information is on that packet uh, due to the folks that grow these seeds, their experience. And most people, if you, if you typically, if you follow those rules on the back of that packet, you're going to do all right. Now, one of the things that, that some folks do with, with their seeds, do you decide to start indoors or outdoors? There are some plants that some gardeners recommend just direct sowing into the soil. Now, we've got a, a, one of the most experienced gardeners in the world to me out at Jackson Gardens is Bobby Jackson. And in talking to her and seeing some of her posts, she starts everything literally in water, lets them sprout, and then gets them planted. Some, For instance, and I've seen other uh, gardeners do this too, some gardeners, especially back in the Midwest, maybe the upper Midwest where it's a little cooler, they recommend starting peas directly in the ground. Well, peas actually will transplant just fine. I've done it before. Bobby does it all the time. And I've, 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 I don't know if you folks have ever seen it, but I've seen folks, I got one gardener that I watch on, on uh, their YouTube channel, and he plants all his peas in gutters. He's got his soil in there, and he plants a whole world of peas in there, starts them in his high tunnel or his little greenhouse or everything. And then what he does is it's really kind of cool. He plants them in a long enough piece of gutter where he can handle them. But then those seeds have sprouted in that gutter. Then he digs kind of a little trench in his garden and he sets his uh, uh, gutter part at the head. Of, and then he just pulls, pushes on one end and all that whole line of soil with those uh, sprouted peas in there slide out of that gutter and they're in the ground he kind of packs them down a little bit and and that's how he that's how he does it so uh it's i really thought that was pretty cool okay so now we're talking like i said we're talking seeds we're talking seed depth most of them recommend uh one quarter to half inch for seeds but be careful on how deep you plant them and something to get them going like i said bobby does this and and most uh, a lot of seeds uh, recommend you do this too with peas and beans and a few other is you typically you might soak them overnight and what that does that gets them hydrated pretty quick and that helps them sprout a little bit faster and in fact what i've done before is for some of these seeds beans peas and whatever i'll put them on a paper towel and fold the paper towel or maybe two layers of paper towel, put my seeds out on it, space them, fold the paper towel over on top of itself, wet it, and then I slide it into uh, a zipper bag, a kitchen bag. And I set that somewhere, they're warm. And I'll tell you what, sometimes in two days, your peas are sprouting, your beans are sprouting. There are some things, you try that with radishes. I've, I've soaked my radish seeds before in a little like Dixie cup, little, little cup. And the very next day, overnight, you've got little, little white root sprouts coming out of that 
radish seed, and then you go ahead and uh, and plant them in the in the soil. Another thing to think about with your seeds is how much to plant. You know this. Well, that's one of the amazing things about about you see you buy a seed packet for two ninety nine, three ninety nine, or however much they cost, and there's two hundred seeds in them. Well, are you going to plant two hundred broccoli plants? You know, two hundred radishes. I mean, it's incredible sometimes. So, for a beginning gardener, or if you don't have a a huge garden, what you can do is get together with some of your friends and decide what you all want to grow. And you all can split the cost of seeds. And, for instance, you all might want to take, if there's 300 radish seeds in a packet, you know, and three friends, you each kind of just count out approximately 100 seeds. You don't have to count them one by one, but just visually split them, and you guys will save a lot of money by doing that and and uh, and still get more than enough than you're probably ever going to want to want to want to eat want to have and one of the ways that that works too is as you buy the let's say you bought that radish pack of 300 seeds and you only plant 25 radish seeds in your garden what are you going to do with the rest of those seeds well you typically you know i i keep all my seeds in one of the crisper drawers the bottom drawers of, of the refrigerator in a zipper bag and so those seeds are getting a little bit older. And if you want fresh seeds, when you're buying seeds, always pretty much look to see where, like for this year, that should say on there, package for 2023. But seeds can potentially last for a long time. And you, you folks have heard me talk before about the, uh, the seed vault at uh, Svalbard, uh, north of uh, Norway, uh, that protects seeds. Uh, they can potentially, and, and I know archaeologists have found seeds that are 5,000 years old. They've gotten them to sprout, you know, so they will sprout. But if you get old seed, you know, to try to see what the viability of those seeds are, for instance, if you get a brand new pack of seeds or, or you found a pack of seeds and it says package for 2014, then what you do is maybe take 10 of those seeds, lay them on that paper towel, Fold it over, wet it down, put it in a in your Ziploc zip bag, and see how many of them sprout. If six of them, if six of excuse me, if six of them sprout, you know that you'll probably have a good average of a sixty percent germination rate on those seeds. If you only get one to plant, then potentially uh, it might not be worth messing with those. One of the one of the YouTube sites I watch, uh, and I'm kind of been looking for this. He found, this guy found some tomato seeds from 100 years ago. And he planted them. And I think he only had about a 20 or 30% germination rate. But it was a heirloom tomato that nobody provided anymore. He grew them for a couple of years. And he saved all the seeds from this heirloom brand. He protected them from, from cross-pollination. And now he's selling these seeds that he has redeveloped again as an heirloom variety. And, uh, and that guy, if you guys know Luke at MI Gardener, he's the one that did this. Okay, so then when you're going along, uh, be sure to pay attention to the spacing. Uh, the spacing is what 
It's, it's very important, which will then kind of help you decide on how to thin. When you're thinning plants, the ones that are really tiny seeds, like carrot seeds, you can plant those in a, in a row. Uh, one of the best ways to get those uh, equally spaced is to maybe mix your carrots with a little bit of sand, nice clear sand, mix them up very well, and spread that sand down your little row, and that'll help disperse them a little bit. But if the if the seed packet says to space three inches, then you need to go through with all those those little carrots and start plucking out the old ones, the the smaller ones, to make a three inch a three inch spacing in there. Now you got to have to be kind of careful with that because if you you pull one up, a lot of times you can disturb the roots of the good one you want to save. So. I'd recommend you just go along there and with, the, with some of those little tiny scissors, go along and snip, 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 snip those off and uh, to be sure you don't disturb the, the roots of, of, uh, of the ones that you want to save. So, and we're talking about how to read a seed packet. Uh, you'd also need to look at uh, on the back of your packet, whether you've got an annual or perennial, then you want to look at days to harvest, and that's one of the most important things for us here in Alaska. Uh, when you looked at that average frost date uh, for us of June 1st to October 1st, that's only 120 days of growth. Now, like I said, you start some of your uh, seeds before June 1st. It's going to take a long time to germinate. And remember, some of the plants we grow, they're susceptible to frost leeks, uh, some onions, uh, brock, uh, Brussels sprouts, uh, some things that they, they might not handle a heavy frost, but some plants like broccoli or Brussels sprouts, I, I can't get broccoli off my head, uh, they actually will handle a very, very hard frost. So, but look at that days to harvest. Now, one of the things I do with my seeds is, for instance, I'll use, I'll use tomatoes, but, but that's one of the biggest things I look at when I am purchasing seeds is I'm looking at their days to harvest. There are some tomatoes out there. Now I grow my tomatoes and peppers and stuff like that in a greenhouse, but I'm not going to buy a tomato that takes 110 days to harvest. I try to get all my tomatoes at 70 days or under to harvest and there's a couple of varieties out there uh, that are that are called uh, uh, 42 day ha harvest so uh, well hang on a minute folks we got a caller let's see what they got to say hey this is Larry you're on Grow to Greener Kenai thanks for calling what do you got for me oh it's about seeds thank you for picking up um, is it marigold seeds that you plant all around the garden to keep other bugs out and if it is how far apart do you plant those well uh, that's kind of one of those things uh, marigold seeds uh, those help chrysanthemums will help and my my standpoint on that is i would tend to grow marigolds we grow those but we start them we don't plant the seed outdoors we start those early and depending on how large your your marigolds can get there's so many different varieties but i would you know i'd make a i make a border you can make a border you can plant them 
six inches apart, eight inches apart, they'll fill in and fill in a whole border. And you'll have uh, some lovely yellow marigolds and some of the other variety, variegated varieties or something, that'll just uh, make your garden beautiful. But those, uh, you know, one of the things, too, you can interplant to keep pests out, too, are some of the alliums like garlic and onions. A lot of animals, uh, just the smell of them will keep them out. But yeah, mar marigolds are lovely. We grow them every year in our garden. I thought you had to plant them up and down the rows. Uh, you know, there's a bunch of different ways to do it. I've, I've seen it uh, all ways. You can, uh, you can actually interplant them, too, if you want to. If you depend on how big your garden is, plant three broccoli plants, then plant you a marigold, then plant three broccoli plants, plant you a marigold. Yeah, there's a bunch of different ways to do it. The most way I've always seen done is a border around the garden is what is how I've seen it usually done. But we, we just interplant them wherever there's an opening a lot of times. And it puts other it puts up uh, also another lip more color in the garden than just to see a green. You get some so then one of the other things you need to look at and read on your seed packet is how big your plants get. I'm pretty careful, uh, not so much outdoors, but uh, up here, our sun is so high in the sky. But from my standpoint, you don't want to plant indeterminate tomatoes on the south side of your greenhouse or your corn or anything like that, and then plant another plant behind it where it's never going to get any direct sun, and it shades it out. So that's one of the things to think about, too, is pretty much all seed packets should tell you how tall, how big that plant's going to get, uh, which helps you decide where in the garden to put it, where in your greenhouse to put it. Now, like I said, up here, our sun gets so high in the sky, it doesn't always make that much difference. But as I mentioned before, seeds, you know, you got all these different companies that sell seeds. And, you know, uh, with the exception of a few companies, I know uh, Burpee developed some of their own seeds. If you folks have ever purchased seeds from a company called High Mowing Seeds, they grow some of their own seeds, but not all of them. Uh, Baker Creek, uh, I'm not sure if they grow any of their seeds. I think they do some, but uh, most of these places, they source their seeds out from other people. And, for instance... Uh, you might have, uh, like I said, I've bought seeds from MI Gardener before, and I know uh, in talking to Luke, what he does, and a, a lot of them do, is they might have somebody local that they make a little contract with, and this person might grow, I don't know, 50 square feet of radishes, and they grow them every year, and they let them go to seed, and they've got a contract with the seed seller, the retailer, putting them in the packets, and they they then grow those for a particular retailer. Not very many companies actually grow all their own seeds. And like I said, one of the reasons is, as I said before, so many seeds come from different parts of the world. Now we're growing them in North America and all over the world, but the origination of those seeds. So you never know some seed company uh, that you order seeds from that's got carrot seeds, they may be getting them from a seed grower in Afghanistan. You know, somewhere else besides in the United States or in the back of their seed company 
where they where they're growing you know so i know like i said in my gardener uh he gets all his seeds in bulk and then he's got a staff that they sit there and they get all these seeds and I'm not sure they're doing it by hand or they got like a, a little machine that does it. And then he fills up the seed, the, his staff, they fill the seed packets up. So you never know where the seeds truly are coming from unless you ask them and they say, oh, yes, we, we grow this seed. And sometimes the, uh, uh, your seed catalog will, in fact, tell you that, yes, they, they grow their own seed. But so many times it is, it's farmed out to other people. Uh, sometimes the big companies, you know, there's a, one big company called Fedco. Uh, they, they sell to farmers. They grow a lot of their own seeds. A lot of people get worried about they don't like to think about buying from monster companies like Monsanto. But one of the main seed producers uh, in the world, in the United States, is, in fact, a subsidiary of Monsanto. So you have to look at that. Uh, but I don't, I don't really worry about that stuff too much, you know, because as I've said before, a radish, a French breakfast radish, is a French breakfast radish. It doesn't matter if you get that seed from Florida, Michigan, Alaska. It doesn't matter. My belief is the more seeds you can get that were grown in the zone you're in and picking the if you're going to save your own seeds let some of your plants go to seed and pick from the strongest plants that you've got the ones with the best genetic characteristics because if they grew well here this year they'll probably grow well there next year and for me too and i've mentioned this to you folks before i absolutely love the book uh Gardening from Seed in Arctic and Subarctic Areas. Now, this was uh, by a guy named Red Jappel. He was a horticulturalist at the University of Alaska Fairbanks, and he's since passed away. And he's actually the, the guy who started, in 77, he left the University of Alaska, and he started Denali Seed Company, the only seed company in the U.S. that specialized in varieties for Arctic and Subarctic regions. So he's since passed away, and Denali Seed Company now, their online website is called bestcoolseeds.com. Well, they're no longer in Alaska. If I remember, those seeds, Best Cool Seeds, they come out of Michigan. But the neat thing about them and their catalog of seeds, and if you order them, they guarantee them to grow in Alaska and in Arctic and Subarctic areas and this this book it's about ten dollars gardening from seed in arctic and subarctic areas this is a great book for a newcomer a beginning gardener to help them and and one of the other best things to do that a beginning gardener can do in learning which seeds to plant is talk to a, an experienced gardener in alaska uh bobby marcia donna uh, so so many of our folks have got so much experience, and they know what works. They know what seeds they like to get. And I'll give you an example. Marsha Kardaski, she loves easy-peasy peas from Burpee. So I've never grown those, but based on what Marsha has said, 
I've always had good luck with peas, but she touts them so much. I'm, I'm going to order some this year and I'm getting ready to get my order in now. Uh, different different orders in but i'll be making an order from best cool seeds like i said they guarantee their seeds to grow in an arctic or subarctic environment because they've been studied and they do that but they're again like i said they're not grown in alaska they as far as i know they get none of their seed stock from the state of alaska so you know a uh like I said, a French breakfast radish seed is a French breakfast radish seed, whether you get it from China, from Europe, from Florida, South America, it doesn't matter. It's a French breakfast radish. So you have to look at it. And if that stuff is important to you, then I'd be asking the seed company where they source their seed from. Like I said, to me, uh, I lean toward something like Best Cool Seeds to know that they're guaranteed for Arctic and subarctic growth. But I don't know where they source their seeds from. Gosh, they may be getting their seeds from some seed supplier uh, in Arkansas, for all I know. So, and, and I know most of them, from what I've read about them and talked to some of them, uh, they might potentially have seed suppliers contract with small gardeners and farmers nationwide, and some even in Europe where they ship their seeds to the United States. So anyway, that's, uh, that's up to you to decide if uh, the seeds that they're selling uh, is what, you're, what you like. And I know a lot of folks, they get their seeds from the same people every year because they have such good luck with them. And they've, they've always had great luck with them. And that's, that's another one of those things that, sure, if, if you've had good luck with them, you go with, with who you want to go with. But I personally, there's some seeds I get from a couple places in Great Britain. I get some seeds from a company called Foster's and Medwins, M-E-D-W-Y-N-S, Medwins Seeds. And they've got kind of a cool wet climate over there. So I figure they ought to know what works. But I'm not 100% sure where they source their seeds from. Some of them they do raise themselves and i've seen pictures of them for instance some onions they uh plant the you know uh, onions are biennial uh, the second year they're growing they will produce seed uh, that's one of the things to think about if you grow onions if you save a couple of those onions get them good and dry protected them and then you plant them next year they'll go to seed for you if it's a good onion you like so uh carrots are biennial they they produce seeds the next year so you need to look at that but yeah i'm not 100 percent sure where all of medwins and fostered seeds from i just know that they the fosters one of the things i've told you folks before too is i love the thought of trying to grow really not not competing with giant veggies but really long carrots so they they've got seeds that have proven genetics of growing like four foot long carrots well, that's intriguing to me just because I think it's fun to do. So so you decide, uh, but now's the time to kind of start thinking about what you want to, what you want to start growing. And, and then, you know, something else to think about with your seeds. Uh, if you want to go to the, oh, the uh, Central Peninsula Garden website, uh, on Facebook rather, and go under Files. And what you can do, excuse me, 
what you can do is go down files and look at Gardener Extraordinaire in Alaska, Jeff Lowenfels from Anchorage, and he's got a planning calendar. So he tells you everything you need to be doing and the timeline that you need to be doing. Now, Jeff's a good guy to listen to because he is, uh, like I said, he's had radio shows. He's really writes the Anchorage Daily News column forever. He's been president of the Garden Writers Association. He, he knows gardening and he knows the science of it. But for instance, in just looking at his planning calendar right now, he's saying in like on Jan- in mid-January, coming up next weekend, it's time to prune back leggy geraniums. The cuttings can be rooted, let them air for 48 hours, and then let, plant them in damp sand or vermiculite. So he's telling you the timelines of what works in Alaska. Uh, he's saying here like February 3rd, you can start lobelia then. Lobelia takes forever to grow, and, and uh, commercial growers... Uh, might potentially start growing it in January or February because that's how early it takes to get it planted to make it viable for sale. And we've all seen those those trays of those where they're just they're packed. They're packed with with uh, lobelia. Now, some of the stuff I'm gonna I'm gonna plant here uh, coming up. Oh, I think I'll wait. Uh, I think I'll wait till probably like mid February is. I'm going to I'm going to get some leeks and onions and oh uh, I just forgot oh uh, and 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 some uh oh, what's the thing uh hops I was about ready to say what what's the stuff they do to make beer uh, I'm going to get some hops going cuz my experience with that is it takes a long time to germinate and it takes a while to get that going so I'm going to get those three things going here about mid February uh, like I said leeks different couple varieties of onions and and my hops. My hops grew uh, great up my fence last year. I got little little tiny hops on, but I'm trying to I'm trying to even uh, get those improved and and get a little bit better on my on my hops. Uh, early start vegetables also include celery. Uh, maybe no later than about March 1st for celery. Uh, that gives your plant basically two months to be growing. There there's a, a long time to germinate and a, a while to get going. Uh, celery uh, and those that that's the one thing for some reason I tend to forget to start celery I don't know what it is and I've had to purchase celery uh, for the last couple of years I, I start everything else with seed and I forget celery so I don't know I don't know what to say so I'm going to do my best I'm going to do my best to get my celery started this year early uh, so I've got some good starts to put out in the garden but anyway, check out check out Jeff's uh, planning calendar. Like I said, it's on the Central Peninsula Garden Club Facebook page, and you'll see the little uh, menu bar up there. It says Files. Go down the files until you find it's a Word document by Jeff Lowenfels on a planning calendar. It tells you everything. Like he says here for him, he says from April 5th to 7th, start your head lettuce, cabbage, kale, and peppers. Uh in the 14th, he's got a lot of uh, flowers to start, broccoli and cauliflower, uh, herbs, uh, sorrel, summer savory, borage, fennel. You know, so Jeff is very uh, incredibly knowledgeable, and he tells you what and when to fertilize, uh, all the way up to uh, his calendar goes all the way up to September 13th, mid-September. 
uh, telling you what to do with your trees, with your flowers, with your veggies, everything. So give that a give that a check, and it may or may not help you. Once again, uh, check out Best Cool Seeds. Uh, if you're a beginning gardener, I, I recommend you get that Gardening from Seed in Arctic and Subarctic. It tells you the seeds, the variety, how to plant them, when to plant them, and, uh, and you ought to do okay. And remember, if you don't need all those seeds, get you a partner, split them, and you'll save a couple of bucks, plus don't have seeds to waste, and you'll be good to go to get your garden going. All right, we're coming down to the end of the show, folks. We just got about three minutes left. I do want to remind everybody about the new schedule for the Garden Club. Again, I want to remind everybody because I, I just I would hate to see somebody show up at the at the Garden Club on a Tuesday night at seven o'clock and nobody's there. So, a week from today, January fourteenth, College Heights Baptist Church, one p.m. in the afternoon, a Saturday. Patrick Ryan from Anchorage Botanical Garden, their education specialist, a master gardener, he's going to be talking to us about trees. February 11th, Saturday, 1 p.m., we are hoping that we get Casey Matney, the local uh, extension service uh, uh, guru, uh, and uh, we had to cancel last year with him because of the weather. He was stuck in Anchorage. We had really rotten weather, and, uh, and so we're hoping maybe Casey will be with us on the February 11th, uh, but I'm not 100% sure, and we'll... Uh, but we'll try to uh, uh, get that information to you also. Uh, once again, I'd like to really thank you folks for listening in. We've got, we've got a few more months of once a month, and we start getting into the gardening season. We'll be broadcasting again twice a month, the first and third Saturday of the month. And I'll tell you what, if any of you folks out there want to come on the show with me, I would love to have you on as a guest. Uh, if you want to just come and talk gardening, uh, it's nothing to be nervous about. Uh, you might have headphones on and talking into a microphone, but in reality, you're just talking to me. You know, uh, you'd be talking to me, but everybody else would be listening. So I'd love to have you on. If anybody wants to, uh, you know, shoot me an email at growingagreenerkenai at kdll.org. Uh, leave me a message on uh, the Garden Club Facebook. Uh, wherever you want uh, come to a meeting and let me know uh, I'd love to I'd love to have you on with me and it's a lot of fun and I hope you folks appreciate it too because I really appreciate you folks listening well uh, I want to let you know that uh, and I also want to thank uh, Jenny uh, the station director at KDLL for letting me do this it's a ton of fun and I think you'd have fun doing it too so this is listener supported public radio for the central Kenai Peninsula KDLL 91.9 FM, Kenai Soldatna. Thank you for listening. 